Hello humans, hello humans. Okay, almost nine o'clock, January 25th. A lot of stuff happening. Uh, the world ended yesterday. We know this, I mean, we have proof that the world ended because Twitter let me back on. Uh, that was kind of an interesting thing in the sense that I was told that my Twitter account had been restored, but then I went to look at it and I couldn't see it, I couldn't access it, because Twitter was demanding that I uh, remove a particular tweet from March 24th of um, 2022, uh, which is when they suspended my account permanently. And I, of course, I went and looked at it and I couldn't find the tweet, couldn't find the original source material that I had tweeted. So, because it was a reference to a Telegram uh, account and something going on on the Telegram account. But who the hell knows what it was because that channel doesn't even exist anymore. Um, so, anyway, I pointed this out to uh, Twitter that I was not going to delete something and uh, repudiate a tweet that I had no idea what it was, right? And so I told them there are only four lights and uh, <laughs> let them sort it out. At some point, um, uh, they agreed with me that I did nothing wrong. There was no point for my suspension. And they, uh, they apparently um, dug out a backup copy of uh, my profile because last time I had seen it, it had all been deleted. And then they um, uh, restored the account. I was able to get in. Uh, they sent me a nice little email message, which was cool of them. And so I came back on. Not that I know what the hell I'm going to do there anymore after a 10-month absence. You know, it takes a long time to build up that momentum and stuff. I will post there. And in fact, I'll post uh, notice that this... Uh, discussion is available, this podcast is available, and I'll put it on Twitter as well as uh, the other social media I usually use. Anyway, though, so as I say, the world ended, <laughs> so we're on a whole new a whole new dimension now. Anyway, so I wanted to talk about the Yellow Emperor of China and uh, yogic rebuilding of the body. This is pertinent because a friend of mine has a wife who's got some uh, medical issues at the moment. And uh, as he takes her to doctors, the doctors are going to um, try and slot in uh, his wife into their perceptions of the human body and how it can go wrong. And uh, she has an issue with uh, one of the glands in her head, in her cranium. There's a number of glands up there, pineal, thyroid, parathyroid, uh, a bunch of them, right? Saliva, uh, salivary glands. Anyway, so uh, we have two distinct glandular networks uh, in our bodies. Uh, one is in our cranium and uh, one is in our guts. And these uh, glandular associations are in fact networks. So the, uh, you know, the thyroid is actually connected to uh, the pineal gland um, 
in its own way through the nerve structures, right? And they all work with each other. And then the, the glandular network in the cranium coordinates with the glandular network in the gut. And so in the gut, the glands produce, um, uh, well, basically all the glands produce uh, chemical compounds that are systemically bodily effective. And so, uh, you know, like a hormone, right? Uh, hormones that are produced by your uh, glandular system in the solar plexus um, uh, in, impact the whole body. Same thing with the uh, secretions that are created by the glands uh, in the cranium. You know, thyroid, for instance, affects your whole body. Now, uh, there are some things to note here. Okay, so let's stop for a second and say it is my uh, experience in life that doctors are not very good at diagnoses. Okay, there's too much in the way of potential. Human body is uh, multiplicitously um, reflective of its state of health. So, you know, you can have deferred pain, you can have referred pain, you can have uh, symptoms that are in one part of the body that are actually reflecting something going on in another part of the body. And if you treat the part of the body that has the symptoms, you're going to miss the cause of that particular disease, right? And so doctors have a real chore ahead of them. Um, this, by the way, is one of my things where I wanted to get to the point where I could uh, start a project to create an, what I call an expert system. Uh, they call them these days artificial intelligence, but I wanted to create an expert system that could uh, aid in diagnoses. Because here's, here's what I've discovered, that, that depending on where doctors are educated, they will have a certain set of words associated with a uh, body condition and or disease. And if you um, don't use those words, those doctors don't tumble to what's going on. And so it is a question of language. And so throughout my entire 30 years, 30 plus years of trying to get my uh, cancer diagnosed, it went undiagnosed for over 30 years. And um, it was one of these long growing cancers, uh, long and slow growing. And uh, over the course of that, I tried desperately to come up with various different forms of language to tell the doctors what was going on with me. But no matter how I described it, they were always slotting it off into something else. And so you just have to be like aware of this, right? That your words describing your pain and how it feels to you may not necessarily convey to that physician the appropriate um, uh, system or position in the body or any of this kind of stuff to actually discover what the hell's going on. And so they may be mistreating things. And then also, here's something else about physicians. The way they are trained, they see all of these um, aspects of the human body as discrete, uh, like lumps, right? And all the lumps coordinate to make the body. So um, with a robot, you could take off the right arm and do something with the right arm of the body and the rest of the robot is not affected. That's not true of humans, okay? So we don't have the same kind of, of structure uh, that the physicians are being um, taught in their medical school is the appropriate way to think about this. So you will find, as far as I know, you won't find any, I've never run across any 
a physician that dealt with glandular issues at all that recognized that we have two distinct interoperative and intercommunicating and intercooperative um, glandular systems and that these are in fact systems, networks, and that the, that the glands uh, cooperate with each other, send chemical signature uh, um, messages to each other to induce cooperative behavior. And so, um, so here's, here's where we are. So this, this friend of mine uh, contacts me and his wife has this glandular issue and he's dealing with uh, glands are serious problems, right? When, when these things fuck up, you've got systemic issues. Um, you know, so you have all different kinds of, of things show up. So I know a guy who had a glandular problem in his, uh, that was related to his intestines and his testes, and it actually caused uh, the skin to like flake off on his feet. So he had this like weird skin problem and he was going to dermatologists for a long time and he happened to go to um, an acupuncturist. Uh, she noticed his uh, feet and said, well, look, you've got a glandular problem here. Let's treat that. And so she treated the glandular problem in his gut with acupuncture and some herbs and uh, it cured the only visible symptom at that time which was this uh, continuing skin degradation on his feet. That was, you know, most painful, he couldn't walk, he had to have special shoes, you know, basically destroyed his life for a couple of years. And then he gets in with this acupuncturist for, theoretically, for an entirely different issue. And uh, she notices this and corrects it, right? Okay, well, she was trained in a system of medicine that sees all this stuff as intimately interconnected, unlike Western medicine, where it's all these separate little lumpens that, that theoretically cooperate to some degree, but you, you could act, act on all of these guys independent of each other, right? And uh, so, you know, uh, if you had something going on with one gland, you just simply remove the gland. Um, you know, uh, thinking, oh, that'll fix it, because then you can just take the substitute uh, secretion in a chemical form. Well, uh, so the uh, old style uh, Chinese uh, medical education isn't like this. It starts from a, a very holistic, everything's interconnected viewpoint. And this all goes back to um, the Yellow Emperor of China. And I think I'm going to say 2,500 years ago, uh, the Yellow Emperor was a very interesting fellow. Uh, he was a um, political prisoner for years, uh, suffered torture and all of this kind of stuff. And he has a, an interesting history and, a, and an interesting story in that he fell in love with this woman, uh, then he becomes a political prisoner, uh, she tries to help him out, keep him alive under terrible conditions in this prison, and so she would smuggle food to him. And uh, she would take the hot food and uh, put it under her breast and smuggle it in that way. And uh, so later on, uh, long story, he gets out, uh, you know, giant revolution, and he becomes emperor. And uh, he marries this woman, okay? And so she becomes his empress. And uh, she ends up with breast cancer. And all his life from that point on is devoted to medicine and correcting her problem with her breast cancer, which he never does, all right? And um, so there was a... Uh, well, a habit, so to speak, 
of emperors in those days where they would turn someone's health over to a physician, but if that health did not improve, that physician would be killed, right? So, so the empress said to him, uh, to the emperor, to the yellow emperor, you must not do this. I know that you're going to have rage and all this, this is as she's dying. And, and she says, you must not do this. Uh, must not go and slaughter all of these uh, physicians, right? He'd had like a couple of hundred working on her at that time. Um, anyway, and so uh, she convinces him, and then he sets up the first uh, large-scale uh, um, that we're aware of uh, in modern times, first large-scale uh, medical experiment after her death. And he's determined to find out what is the cause of cancer and to have it eradicated and cured from humanity as his gift to his, his now dead empress. Um, long story, you know, uh, and he, he, what happens is that they, they start systematizing medicine and they start doing experiments. And so he had this deal where if you were a convicted prisoner, if you allowed them to give you cancer, because they discovered how to, to give people cancer, and he said, if you will allow us to give you cancer and then treat you, uh, if you survive, you will be let free no matter what your crime was. And so they had a number of people that did indeed volunteer for this. And over the course of lots of years, and I want to say maybe two decades, maybe 20 years, it was the longest running experiment ever other than the COVID thing that we're involved now. It involved more humans in, in a medical experiment and it ran longer than anything. Uh, so far. Now, COVID, I'm saying, is running the longest because they've been planning to do this since the 1994. Okay, so I found evidence that they were intent on this in 94, uh, the Weffers. So, so it's been ongoing that long. In any event, though, so the Yellow Emperor, he gets all these physicians together and they start systematizing all of this and they come up with the Yellow Emperor's uh, medical compendium. Okay, and so this was the first uh, officialdom recognized, uh, systematized, um, analyzed uh, medical reference. Now, I've read this, okay, because I was, I was suffering from cancer and I didn't know what it was. I knew I was dying, I just couldn't tell what it was and no physician could help me. And I went to hundreds of them and spent tens of thousands of my own dollars as well as perhaps quarter of a million dollars in, uh, you know, medical insurance that, that paid for doctor visits and tests and shit, all to no avail. And I determined it was because of the, the way that the physicians were being educated and the fact that we did not have a common language for symptoms. So I had these intussusception um, symptoms, right? And this is where one part of the intestine literally slides over another part of the intestine. And the part it slides over was the part that had the tumor attached. Uh, terrible, terrible pain. Uh, you, you have blood in the stool. You throw up blood. Um, you, and you have these um, vibrations, okay? You have this fluctuation. And that's what I spent years trying to communicate to the doctors was that there was this thing inside my gut that would vibrate very, 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 very fast. And then it would, in that process, it that vibration was associated with uh, the loss of blood pressure, becoming very weak, and so on, right? And so I could never communicate to them through the words I was using, 
what that actually, or what it was going on. I could sort of point him out to an area, but even then it was so um, diffuse through the gut that I couldn't put a specific point on it until very near the end. So I died in July, and I finally discovered July 13, 2018, and in March of that 2018, the end of March, I finally felt what I thought was a tumor in my body. Now bear in mind, I'd been to the top gastroenterologist um, uh, in Olympia, as well as the top gastroenterologist, which is to say the most expensive, in Seattle. And they had, now the one in Olympia, I'd been to him nine times. And he'd done that, you know, mushing on your gut stuff nine times. And never did he feel that tumor. But it was there the whole time. It didn't suddenly swell up in the last months, right? It was at, in March, it was as big as it was in March of 2018. It was as big as it was in July when I died. And I went to two gastroenterologists in between the, my discovery of the tumor of a mass, that's all I knew, or a hardness, and the actual um, uh, surgery and death, all right? So I went in there twice and got palpitated in the whole thing. And I'm, you know, I'm down to, to 128 pounds. I'm so weak that I probably should have sued the one gastroenterologist in Olympia for letting me try and drive back home that day. Uh, you know, I was 128 pounds, and uh, he let me drive home, and then nine days later, I died. Uh, I never should have been on the road, never should have been out trying to walk around, but there was no relief and there was just no understanding. And it was because I had no understanding and didn't have the appropriate words that I could not find relief for this. All right, so here's the thing. Here's the thinking on this. Um, after I died, I had to rebuild my body and then I got really serious. There was no point prior to death because I didn't think I would survive, right? Uh, so the, the last six, eight months, there was no... Uh, long-range planning on my part. I was just wrapping up all of my affairs, getting everything ready to exit. Uh, because I had had no relief, I didn't expect any um, relief at the end of the process. Anyway, though, so in the process of rebuilding my body, I went deep into uh, the Yellow Emperor's experience, the Chinese experience, as well as the... Um, uh, view from the Hindu, from the yogic perspective. And uh, I discovered some stuff that now makes diagnoses a bit easier, okay? Because here's the thing. Uh, Alright, so basically I had to rebuild my body and I am not yet done. So it takes seven years to totally replace all of the molecules in your body. And so you will replace all of the molecules in your bones, assuming you have a, a decent diet, and it will take you uh, over the course of seven years to do that. Um, not all, So your body's continuously repairing itself every night when you go to bed, and uh, it's affecting its organs and all of that kind of stuff. And not all parts of the body are replaced on anything near the same schedule. So the bones are being replaced now, it's just that the process is seven years old, or seven years long. And so uh, the skin is uh, is one of the more rapidly replacing uh, stuff. You can get skin healing fairly quick. Uh, it's estimated that, you know, if you had some catastrophic thing and you survived it and had to replace all of your skin, that the, the body would replace all of the skin with a, uh, a good layer in about 45 days. And so there's different different time periods for things. So like the, um, 
the aqueous humor that they call it, the fluids in your eyes, uh, those are completely replaced every three days. The fluid part, but you know, it doesn't get rid of any of the floaters or any of that kind of stuff, right? But they are in there because of that um, replacement process that's going on. So, there's this, this came up because of my friend's wife. So, she's got, she's got some issues, and I'm of the opinion that they cannot or should not take uh, the impressions of a doctor uh, to heart until they've managed to eliminate the potential that she's poisoned herself. And here's the thing. Humans can relatively easily poison themselves over the long run. And this is why uh, every so often, like every, uh, depends on which vitamin I'm dealing with or which supplement, but every so often, three months, nine months, something like that, I will change to a different brand, different production, etc. Because I don't want to get into the habit of, say, using something for nine or ten years and building up a um, toxic level of, say, um, uh, heavy metal poisoning just because there is a small amount of heavy metal contamination in something that I'm taking and that contamination is unknown and I won't feel it for a number of years. Um, but if I were to continue on that supplement for years and years and years, I would get this heavy metal uh, contamination that I didn't know existed, right? So I, I shake it up. I, I redo all of my supplements and shit on a pretty regular basis just so that I don't have these issues. It's just a precaution. Now, in doing this, okay, so in going through the examination on the rebuilding of the body from a yogic perspective and coming across this idea of the uh, replacement cycles in the body, uh, you can use that as a diagnosis aid, not, well, okay, at some level to um, give you a diagnosis of disease, but much more important than that at the beginning is to eliminate the possibility that you've poisoned yourself. So, this woman has been taking a bodybuilding supplement, uh, she's taking creatine, she's 34, and um, I am of the opinion that her glandular issues are a result of her long-term use of these uh, particular supplements and a heavy creatine load from them because she's trying to be a bodybuilder. Now, there's a couple of things to understand. Women between age 29 and 36 hit the wall, okay? And this is where all the hormones change in the body. And in my opinion, it is very unwise for women to be bodybuilders, ever at all. Muscular is different, okay? Bodybuilders, though, have to get lean and mean and, and cut, okay? Women should never try and monkey with the fat layers in their bodies because if you try and reduce fat layers when you're young, you will have larger fat layers uh, when you're older. It's just the way the body reacts. And so you need to approach things in a steady state kind of an environment. But I'm of the opinion that this woman has the potential for having had a uh, self-induced situation because I think she poisoned herself by, by being on these bodybuilding supplements for years. Now, she's been on one of them for six years. And here's the thing. Coincidentally, your uh, glands in your head, uh, the thyroid, the parathyroid, the sal not the salivary, they're quicker, uh, the pineal gland, it's a little slower. But uh, so some of these glands 
a thyroid and a parathyroid, replace themselves every six years. And so that's how these poisoning things show up. As the, the body is trying to rebuild uh, the glands, if it's got too much of stuff and it's being impacted on um, uh, its rebuilding process by the um, uh, whatever it is you're doing on a, on a continuing basis, then you can get to the situation where uh, you would have poisoning show up at the far edge of when that, that element should be replaced. Uh, so I know guys, for instance, that uh, uh, males that are bodybuilders that get themselves into trouble with too much iron uh, because of the various supplements they take. And iron problems uh, show up rapidly in the blood, uh, but if you have a very low level of um, iron pollution, so to speak, it will show up uh, in the liver, and then it'll show up in the gallbladder, and it will show up in the bones. If you manage to think of it as a liver disease and you do stuff to get you beyond this and you still keep taking those supplements, the next place it's going to show up is in the bones. Now, very first, understand that almost all uh, systemic poisonings will first show themselves in the skin. Okay, and then they'll show themselves in the uh, areas where there's skin plus hair, and then they'll show themselves where you have um, rapid cycle stuff. So you may find that you... Um, uh, you start having skin issues, and then you start having uh, hair issues, and then you start having eye issues. In my opinion, you're probably looking at something that is a, uh, induced in you, if it's not an actual disease that they can find, that it's induced in you by the supplements or whatever you're taking, and you just kept taking them uh, beyond the point you should have and, and caused that um, uh, systemic failure kind of stuff to cascade into other areas of the body. So this is why I wanted to do the expert system, was to be able to match, uh, to get to eliminate the doctor's uh, training issue and eliminate the linguistics and have the software come on up and say, this person used this, these words and we see that these words are usually associated with these diseases and are missed by doctors because they don't associate with these words with those particular diseases. And so eliminate that part of it. You know, and it's not that complicated. Uh, it's going to be a lot of work to do, so I haven't set out to do it. You know, hey, I'd been dead, and then I had to rebuild. Uh, and I'm still rebuilding, right? So I'm not yet seven years after uh, my death, and so I still am in the process of uh, rebuilding the body, uh, you know, cleaning out all of the, uh, the toxins and the debris from that whole experience. Anyway, though, so my, um, uh, my buddy's wife here, in my opinion, although they, you know, he's got doctor visit schedule and all of that. In my opinion, sure, go and see the doctors, etc., because you may indeed have a disease, but uh, before, the, if, it, if it were me, before I would do any treatment stuff, I would make sure that, you know, all of my levels got down to nominal. That if you're taking creatine, I know that it can, you know, and then there's the next thing for, you know, glandular systems usually end up failing and then um, introduce a problem into the kidneys. Now, if it goes right to the kidneys here, well, hey, then you know it's the creatine because you've got too much of a creatine over, uh, overload load on your body. And then also, here's the thing about that. As women hit the, this uh, hormonal change period, they have to adapt and understand what's going on, and, and they won't be able to um, uh, keep up their old routines. It, it, it just is not going to be possible. 
and so they need to accept this and understand all of this and and so on. So you don't see now uh, another bitch of mine is that there's all these crypto trans people, uh, you know, men pretending to be women who are in movies and TV and stuff and they get up there and they're, you know, in their 40s, they got long hair like they're a woman and they um uh all of this kind of stuff, right? I got to get get that. Um and uh as a result of that, uh they have women because they're they're hidden, we don't know that they're trans. They don't acknowledge that they're trans. They pretend to be women and and want everybody else to think that they're women. Um, but because of that, we end up with a situation where a lot of women think, "Oh, oh, I can do this, right? I can, I can look like that person if only I do X, Y, Z like they did." And it's you know it's just simply not going to happen. They uh, they'll never be able to. Um, never be able to replicate that because that was a man. That's not a woman. Men can handle creatine. We can handle bodybuilding at a later age in life, et cetera, et cetera. But even then, the bodybuilders that are, you know, in their 40s and 50s, they are damaging themselves. And you note that bodybuilders, as a rule, don't have longevity. They don't live very long. Most of them die in their early 60s from uh, basically accumulated problems with their body uh, from this whole process. Anyway, so... uh, 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 so the takeaway on this is you can diagnose if you've got, potentially if you've got uh, poisoning issues by looking at the time frame and where the ills are showing up. So if I had something show up and a doctor says, oh, look, you know, uh, uh, you got thyroid issues, then I would say, okay, now have I been doing anything consistently for four or five years uh, that could lead to this. And then I track it down and see what I've been taking and, you know, and that kind of thing. And maybe there was something I'd been doing that could have, could have contributed to this, um, uh, situation. And then I would stop it and then I would get better. Um, yeah, presuming that you hadn't permanently damaged the glands. The glands are kind of interesting because they are very resilient and, uh, uh, they do <laughs> do very well on their own. If you don't fuck with them. So anyway, guys, um, there's that. And then we need to, somebody's got to sit down and, and develop um, an expert system, an AI, uh, for diagnoses and just base it on language and let it go at that. Okay, so I'll do another one of these. There's tons of stuff to talk about. But here now, i got to do work.